chapter seven of all along the river this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. all along the river by mary elizabeth bryden chapter seven look through mine eyes with thine true wife there were steamers plying between fowry and falmouth in this summer weather and colonel disney suggested next morning that isola should go with him on his journey in search of tabitha they would go by water and return in the afternoon by rail the morning was lovely and the trip round the coast would be delightful i don't want to see tabitha isola answered with a touch of impatience if you are so bent upon seeing her i had rather you went alone but i'd rather not spend a whole day away from you as for tabitha a visit of ten minutes will be quite enough for me i have brought her a rampur chuda a warm red one i've only to make her my little gift and to say a few words without any anger about her breach of faith it was really not a breach of faith i gave her full permission to go i was getting just a little tired of her fussiness she was not my old servant you know martin i had not been used to her all my life as you have ah but she is so good such a thoroughly good woman yes she is good no doubt well we'll go to falmouth together and you can stop at the green bank where we can lunch while i go and find tabitha you know her address i suppose yes she lives at number five crown terrace overlooking the harbour this conversation took place in the garden where they breakfasted under a square striped awning an apology for a tent set up on the lawn by the river a badly cooked breakfast seemed less offensive in the garden where the summer air and the perfume of the roses eked out the meal after breakfast disney called his wife to the drawing-room where he had brought his spoil from the east and laid his offerings as it were at the feet of his idol see love here is a shawl which you can use as a couvre-pied he said flinging a fine cashmere over a chair since fashion decrees that women shall wear shawls no more and here are some ivory chessmen to assist you in puzzling your brains over the game of eastern antiquity and here are vases and things for odd corners and i have brought you a carved persian screen and some peshwar curtains for your doorways and a lamp from cairo to make your drawing-room a little more fantastically pretty i know you love these things she was enraptured with his gifts her face lighted up like the face of a child and she ran from one object to the other in a confused gladness scarcely able to look at one thing at a time they will make the room too lovely she cried and they will tell everybody of your far-away travels i can never thank you half enough for all these treasures love me a little and that will be more than enough a little ah martin i love you so much then why do you sigh as you say it there need be no sighing over our love now i never shall leave you again 
he caught her to his breast as he spoke and kissed the pale sweet face with a kind of defiant rapture as if he challenged fate to do him any harm the pain of separation from that fair young wife had been so keen an agony that there was a touch of savage exultancy in the joy of reunion some such fierce gladness as a night crusader might have felt in days of old coming back to his beloved after years of war and travel god help the crusader's wife of those rough days if she had turned from the path of virtue during his exile there would be a short shrift and a bloody shroud for such a sinner they walked into fowry by that pathway which isola had trodden so often in the year that was gone not always alone the pleasure steamer was waiting in the little haven where the two rivers part under the cloven hills out seaward the air blew fresh and free and the spray was dashing up against the rocks and paul rouen's grey roofs were wrapped in morning shadows while fowry laughed in the sunshine that water journey to falmouth was delicious upon such a morning and it needed not a brass band of three men and a boy blaring out the new and popular music-hall song of the year before last to enliven the voyage those arable lands yonder undulating with every curve of the ever varying coastline the emerald green of young corn shining in the sunlight copse and spinney here and there in the clefts and hollows the gribbon head standing up stony and grim on the crest of the topmost hill and anon par harbour lying low upon the level sands and then this point and that till they meet the gallant fleet of fishing boats sailing out from navagasy like a peaceful armada and skim past the haven and the little town and quay crowded at the foot of the hill and the coastguard stronghold yonder high up against the bright blue sky wider than any other mortal habitation ever was or will be and so to falmouth with porpoises playing under their bows like sportive dolphins as if they carried dionysius or arion on their deck a brief summer sail in the keen sweet air of an english summer to martin disney's british nostrils that atmosphere seemed soul-inspiring the very breath of life and gladness after the experiences of a hot weather campaign and here was falmouth with proud pendennis on a sunny height and bay and harbour town and hill terrace above terrace tower and steeple the town and streets all crowded and clustered in the foreground where the river winds inward to the heart of the land the green bank gave them cordial welcome and luncheon was speedily spread in a private sitting-room at a snug round table by a window overlooking the harbour luncheon and of the best tongue and chicken and salad cherry pasty junket and cream 
colonel disney applied himself to the meal with a hearty relish there is just this one advantage in bad cooking at home that it makes one so thoroughly enjoy everything one gets abroad he said laughing at his own prowess i'll try and get a better cook if you like martin isola said with rather a helpless air to a wife of one-and-twenty there seems such futility in worrying about a cook you couldn't possibly get a worse how long have you put up with this one ever since tabitha left good heavens you have been starving upon ill-cooked food for six months no wonder you look thin and out of health i am really very well there's nothing the matter with me yes yes there is a great deal the matter a bad cook solitude no one's to watch over you and care for you but that is all over now you are eating no lunch not even that superb cherry pasty i'll be off to find tabitha i shan't be more than half an hour unless crown terrace is at the extremity of falmouth have you brought a book to read while i am away no foolish child never mind there is the county paper and there is the harbour with all its life for you to look at he started on his voyage of discovery with the warm comfortable shawl which he had bought for his mother's old servant hanging over his arm it was a small disappointment amidst the infinite delight of his home-coming but when he bought the shawl he had fancied himself putting it round tabitha's ample shoulders in the little housekeeper's room at the angler's nest a room that was just large enough to hold a linen cupboard a pembroke table a comfortable armchair and tabitha who seemed bigger than all the furniture put together he was a man of warm affections and of that constancy of mind and temper to which forgetfulness of old ties or indifference to past associations is impossible tabitha's image was associated with all the tenderest memories of his youth with his mother's widowhood and with her second marriage a foolish marriage at seven-and-thirty years of age she had taken to herself a second husband some years her junior in the person of george leland a well-meaning and highly intellectual curate with weak lungs a union entered upon while her only son was a cadet and which left her four years later again a widow with an infant daughter a child born amid sickness and sorrow and christened at the father's desire allegra as if she had entered a world of joy through that indian summer of his mother's second love and all the cares and griefs of her second marriage tabitha had been trusty and devoted nursing the frail husband through that last year of fading life which was one long illness comforting the widow and rearing the sickly baby until it blossomed into a fine healthy child whose strength and beauty took every one by surprise with all the joys and sorrows of his mother's life tabitha had been associated for five-and-thirty years of conscientious service and to have lost the good soul now from his fireside was a positive affliction to martin disney her loss gave an air of instability to his domestic life who would ever care for his property as tabitha had cared tabitha who had seen the china and the pictures and drawings collected piece by piece 
who had seen the old family silver drop in by way of legacy from this and that aunt or uncle till the safe was full of treasures every one of which had its distinct history what would a new housekeeper care for general disney's coffee-pot for the george the second urn that had belonged to his uncle the indian judge for his grandmother's decanter stands a modern servant would scoff at decanter stands would wonder they were not melted down no rejoiced as he was to be at home once more home without tabitha would be something less than home to martin disney he found crown terrace a row of neat little houses high above the harbour on the helston road he had no need to look at the numbers on the doors he knew tabitha's house at a glance four or five doors off who else would have devised such pretty window-boxes so simple and so artistic or who else would have hit upon so perfect a harmony of colour in the flowering plants who else of that lowly status would have chosen such curtains or draped them so gracefully the little bow-windowed bandbox of a house was as pretty as a parisian toy tabitha was in the window working with scissors and sponge at one of the flower-boxes never an aphid was allowed to rest on tabitha's roses or geraniums she gave a little cry of mixed alarm and delight as she saw that stalwart figure come between her and the sunshine lor sakes captain martin is it you she cried yes tabby it is i and i want to know what you've got to say to me do you know how a deserter feels when he suddenly finds himself face to face with his commanding officer i never had such a knock down blow as when i came home the day before yesterday and found you had deserted your post you whom i trusted so implicitly tabitha looked at him dumbly entreatingly as if she were mutely supplicating him not to be angry she took this reproof with an air of having thoroughly deserved it of not having any plea to offer in her defence you'll come in and sit down a bit won't you captain martin she said deprecatingly and then without waiting for an answer she bustled out of the parlour and anon appeared at the open door yes of course i am coming in i have a great deal to say to you much more than can be said in the open street tabitha ushered him into the little parlour so neat so cool and dainty a bower albeit the whole of its contents would scarcely have realised ten pounds at an auction she offered him her most luxurious easy-chair a large madeira chair with pale chintz cushions and artistic draping and then when he had seated himself she stood before him like a prisoner at the bar and with unmistakable guilt disturbing the broad placidity of her countenance tabby there is my offering from the indies may it keep you warm when you run out upon your mysterious errands on autumn evenings as you used to do in my mother's time 
sit down pray i have lots to say to you tabitha received the comfortable gift with rapturous thanks that captain martin should have thought of her so far away with his head full of fighting and with death looking him in the face it was too much and the tears rolled down her honest cheeks as she thanked him and now tabitha i want a candid answer to a straight question why did you leave my wife last january that's easily explained sir i'm getting old and i was tired of service mrs disney was very well able to spare me perhaps she didn't set the same value on me as you did young people like young faces about them all that i can understand but it didn't exonerate you from your duty to me you promised me to take care of my young wife i did my best captain martin as long as i could give satisfaction faltered tabitha growing very pale under this reproof had you any misunderstanding with mrs disney did she find fault with you oh no sir mrs disney is not one to find fault she's too easy if anything no one could be sweeter than she was to me god knows if she had been my own daughter i could not have loved her better than i did here tabitha broke down altogether and sobbed aloud come come my good soul don't distress yourself cried disney touched by this emotion you loved her you could not help loving her could you and yet you left her i was getting tired and old sir and i had saved enough money to furnish a small house and my sister mrs david being a widow without chick or child wanted me to join her in a lodging-house at the seaside she's a beautiful cook is my sister much better than ever i was so perhaps i was over persuaded and here i am what's done cannot be undone captain martin but if ever mrs disney should be ill or in grief or trouble and she should want me i'll go to her without an hour's loss of time i can never forget that she is your wife and that she was a kind mistress to me martin disney breathed more freely after this speech he had been curiously disturbed at the idea of a breach between his wife and the old and faithful servant well tabby i'm glad at least you and my wife are not ill friends he said i do not care for the loosening of old ties and now i must be off mrs disney is waiting for me at the green bank tabitha seemed a little startled on hearing that her late mistress was in falmouth but she made no remark upon the fact good-bye tabby stay there's one favour you can do me get me a good cook the woman we have at present would be a blight upon the happiest home in christendom i'll find you a better one sir i'll set about hunting for a good one this afternoon martin shook hands with her on the doorstep and she stood watching him till he disappeared at the turn of the road she watched him with a countenance full of sorrow End of chapter seven